The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Culturally, I think we need to get the information out there to folks and let them know you have better options, less side effects, and a quicker time of response. And uh, getting the awareness is our biggest challenge right now for TMS. After I heard that, when I was in a really bad place with my depression, I honestly thought maybe I should just go to all the furniture stores that are down by the river and try to find this guy. Because really, you'll try anything. Welcome to Season 3 of Students of Mind, the podcast that's all about opening up and normalizing discussions about mental health in ways that anyone can comprehend. In the first two seasons, we sat down with mental health experts and survivors to give you a full circle picture of each topic. In this new season, we will continue to explore the world of mental health through the insights of experts, healers, and individuals with lived experience. From alternative healing modalities to living with multiple illnesses, this season we will cover a wide range of topics with the help of a diverse selection of guests. My name is Jade, and for today's episode, I sit down to have two great discussions all about transcranial magnetic stimulation, also known as TMS therapy. I hope by listening to the show, you're able to learn something new and gain some encouragement through hearing our experts and listening to the journeys of our guests. However, this show is not a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have about your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Students of Mind podcast. Today's first guest is Dr. Kalyan Dandala. Dr. Dandala is a psychiatrist and behavioral health industry consultant. In his work, Dr. Dandala utilizes TMS therapy to treat patients with a variety of illnesses including depression, anxiety, PTSD, 
OCD, and chronic pain. Um, welcome, Dr. Dindala. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Jade, for having me. Of course, before we get into the discussion of today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Yeah, I'm a board-certified addiction and general psychiatrist. I uh, used to run a detox and rehab center. I started uh, outpatient psychiatric services because a lot of my patients were relapsing due to alcohol and drugs uh, or more depression and anxiety back onto the alcohol and drugs because of their depression and anxiety. So I wanted to tackle that realm and found out uh, TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation, is a type of treatment for depression that uh, helps people and gets them into remission, which uh, is far superior to the medication. So started that in 2017, and now I'm just working towards uh, getting that access more available to more folks. That's so great. What inspired you to work with addiction specifically? You know, I think during my training for uh just even general medical school training, one of the rotations we had was general psychiatry uh, that you have to do as part of your uh, medical school uh, core rotations, clinical rotations. And in that, one of them was an addiction case that stood out in my head, like, oh, wow, you know, there's a uh, misdiagnosis, a misplacement of uh, this person was, you know, using uh, street stimulants or whatnot. And meanwhile, you know, that underlying ADHD diagnosis that just went unchecked, getting them on the right medication. This person is like highly functional now. This happened in a short time span. And if you know, if you watch a lot of things in medicine, especially in psychiatry, gosh, they're hard to fix and they're slow to fix, right? Uh, at least when I was training. And this was like amazing to see that you know, transformation, that change. So gravitate towards saying, oh, cool, maybe we can help more folks in addiction during their life run. Cool. I love that. Yeah. Um, so you already talked a little bit about TMS, but let's get into it. Can you tell yeah. us what is TMS therapy? Um, how does it work and how long has this treatment been around? Yeah, great question. You know, TMS is not new. It's new to our industry. It's the technology has been there since like 1985, even earlier than that. Basically, all you're doing is taking a uh, MRI-based magnet and you're stimulating your neurons in your brain uh, with that MRI magnet because magnetic energy turns into like electrical energy, which your neurons need to fire, your heart needs to pump, your muscles need to move. So we're very much an electrical being, if you can think about it. That's why, you know, they tell you, hey, you need sodium, potassium, electrolytes, right? There's a reason for that. That's how cells communicate. That's how neurons fire off, like I said, and uh, there's movement in the body. Um, so looking into, you know, the standard of care, which is always medication management, like everyone's heard of Prozac, Zoloft, or one of these antidepressants, <laughs> There's that's been the industry standard for so long. And if you look at the data, it's really not that effective uh, once you get to a second or third medication trial. And they usually end up stop working after about three, four, uh, about maybe up to seven years. And, it, and the problem is we have more serotonin receptors in our gut than we do our brain. 
they get a bunch of side effects to the antidepressants too, right? So, um, and you look at all these factors, goes, gosh, you know, we're just trying to get people functional with these meds. And then you look at the data for TMS and uh, the research that came out and it became more popular. Uh, it got FDA approval in 2008. Uh, a lot of insurances started covering in 2011. 2013, most of them started covering it, and so it's newer to the industry, but uh, if you look at the data sets for what uh, remission from depression looks like, it's hitting somewhere around 57% with conventional TMS. Now, Dr. Uh, Nolan Williams out of Stanford did uh, something called SAINT. It's a Stanford accelerated, uh, I forget the part, other part of that abbreviation, I apologize right off the bat. But basically, it's a bunch of TMS sessions that are given daily uh, over five days versus over six weeks like it's conventionally done. And his results yielded 90% remission for his patients, you know, within that five-day treatment. Uh, or within a month of that five-day treatment. It was amazing. So that's where we're headed, right? If you go to a spinal surgeon, they go, hey, I want to make the smallest incision for your back pain issue and fastest recovery time so that you can go out and be active again, go skiing again, that kind of thing. And that's the mantra in medicine, quicker, better, faster for everything except for psychiatry, it seems, until now. So that's why I've really gravitated towards TMS, uh, because we can better image our brain than we ever could before. Like you have PET scans, you have F-functional MRI machines, ultrasound uh, systems that you can go ahead and really kind of understand where's the brain underacting or overacting based on <clears throat> um, that imaging and go, okay, we can more focus uh, to a certain area to stimulate or even uh, downregulate the neuronal activity. Uh, so basically, what you're—I'm sorry—I'm getting too technical. So I'm gonna—I'm gonna simplify it. Basically, uh, TMS is a modulator. It can modulate whether neurons should, you know, fire more because they want to pump out serotonin and make you happier, or they need to fire less and say, hey, less uh, uh, epinephrine, you know, in this area, otherwise it's causing too much anxiety. So that's where TMS is going to go in the future, that we're going to get more indications for it. Right now it's for depression and OCD are the two FDA-approved indications for TMS. It's about, it started off as a 20-minute-a-day treatment, Monday through Friday for six weeks with a three-week taper. Now we have a newer protocol called Theta Burst, which is only three and a half minute treatment per day. And those are the ones that we're still given Monday through Friday over six weeks, because that's how the insurance is unfortunately it's still structured. And we, what we want to do is what Dr. Nolan Williams did at Stanford is do the state method, which is 10 sessions per day over five days. And then, you know, you see a much better remission rate. That's really interesting. I've never heard of the like, doing it in that such short of time and, and the results being more effective, that's really interesting. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, we're stuck in this, uh, you know, big pharma loop <laughs> financially, and that's why you always see the ads for Exalti or, you know, any antidepressant, you're going to see tons of it out there because they have 
more money than God, unfortunately, you know, all these uh, big pharma companies and these device companies, you know, they don't have as much traction. You know, the only place you're going to see is from the academic sector or, you know, people that are really pushing to progressively change the industry like myself and some other, you know, there's a bunch of other uh, doctors out there. Out of the people that can benefit from PMS, we did a market, what's the market penetration? Only 0.4% of the people are receiving TMS. So think about that, right? Not even 1%, like not even half of 1%. So 0.4% of the population that can benefit from TMS is doing it, yet we're still pumping out a lot of antidepressants. And they're, I'm sorry to say, they're just simply not effective without having side effects to a lot of the antidepressants. So culturally, I think we need to get the information out there to folks and let them know you have better options, less side effects, and a quicker time of response. And uh, getting the awareness is our biggest challenge right now for TMS. And I'm so happy that, you know, you're fortituting the opportunity to do this podcast to get that information out there. Yeah, it's interesting to me because, like, I um, I was presented because uh, I have a long history of trying uh, antidepressants. Um, and a few years ago, I was introduced to the term treatment-resistant depression and um, given the option to either do TMS or esketamine, um, and um, I chose esketamine, but I wasn't given the option for those things for TMS until after I had tried a lot of medications more than I can count on my hands. So I'm wondering, is that still the case? Like, do you have to have tried yeah. several <laughs> medications to be able to utilize TMS? Excellent question. So, yeah, the original indication came for treatment-resistant depression, and these insurance companies have gravitated towards it, right, because they don't want to spend money on <laughs> on people, uh, bluntly speaking. So um, there are certain insurance companies that do make it burdensome like that, that you need to try three to four antidepressants. But the FDA and the American Psychiatric Association recommends TMS as either uh, second line treatment, meaning after one medication failure. And medication failure doesn't necessarily mean the medication doesn't work. Even if it works and you have side effects, that's considered a failure, right? So um, that's the clinical indication and approval, yet some of the insurances are still caught up, you know, putting those barriers to get into care. And very simply what people can do, and a lot of people uh, you know, are probably unfamiliar with this, but if you call your insurance uh, company because, you know, you went to your psychiatrist or a nurse practitioner, they recommended TMS and you've only tried one or two antidepressants and your insurance company says, you know, you got to try three or four uh, for uh, an arbitrary antiquated reason, you can fight your insurance. So they are very scared to get challenged by people that, you know, are clients of theirs because, look, you're denying, you're getting denied care for something that there's a 2008 uh, act, you know, congressional act is saying, you know, there's parity for uh, psychiatric services with everything else. And they're not in parity, right? They're always putting these roadblocks for mental health and psychiatric services. So I would uh, really advocate for patients to say, if you see some resistance, you go, gosh, I don't want to try any more antidepressants. I've had horrible side effects or whatever with one or two of them. Push your insurance to say, look, I'm not going to do it just to jump through your arbitrary hoop. The 
there's something called uh, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services CMS guidelines recommend TMS after one antidepressant failure and you can challenge with an attorney and go hey look you guys follow CMS guidelines for everything else why are you not following CMS guidelines for this for TMS and really advocate for your uh, welfare and care I think as a as a people uh, you know as consumers of these private insurances we really need to push that envelope and push them to uh, correcting this uh, barriers that they're putting towards TMS. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because it, I feel like it can feel like you're not even allowed to say anything or conflict with what insurance or a provider is wanting. So that's great uh, that you mentioned that because I feel like that can empower people to advocate for themselves. Absolutely. I think that's the thing that where you're like caught up on, oh, my insurance dictates. No, no, no. You cut them a check every month for your insurance premium, right? So they rely on you and your money. Go ahead and advocate for yourself. So everyone, let's scream that from the hilltops for everyone to know. Great. So next I want to ask you, what are some of the common misconceptions that you've come across when it comes to TMS? Yeah, absolutely. Is this like shock therapy? Because everyone gets caught up on, you know, they've seen the old school clockwork orange or they've seen you know one flew over the cuckoo's nest and you hear some of the horror stories from something called shock therapy or professionally known ect electroconvulsive treatment they think it's the same it is nothing like ect ect you have to use sedation for the patient and so there's an anesthesia risk and you cause a global seizure within the brain it's like a hard reset so to speak but, you know, it has a ton of side effects with regards to amnesia and whatnot. So it's very helpful for an extreme, extreme case. But I think now that we have the tools that are uh, personal with TMS, you can go in, in and out in three and a half minutes right from your treatment, go right back to work, you can go back to driving, no one has to take you to and from appointments. Um, you have the <clears throat> ability to go, okay, I, there's no anesthesia risk. So it's safer and it's actually, frankly, very, very effective and it's going to get more effective based on how we treat the, uh, treat the protocols. So, yeah, to clarify, one of the misconceptions is, you know, it's going to be like ECT. It's going to affect my memory. It does neither affect. If anything, TMS is looking at indications for uh, Alzheimer's dementia and reverting uh, memory to an early stage of memory. There's a study out at Northwestern University that proved that. So, um, yeah, I would say the safety profile is the biggest misconception. It is the safest and most effective treatment for depression out there, period. Yeah, that's good to know, because yeah. that's the one I come across, too, is people being like, oh, it's ECT, and it's like, it's not at all. What other uh, common ones do you hear that maybe I can kind of talk to if you if you hear any other misconceptions um... about if any. Uh, one that um, I've seen floating around like Reddit is that it changes like your personality. Yeah, good question. People seem to come up with this idea that it'll change your personality. And that's that's an improbability, you know, to be bluntly honest with you, because personality traits really are um, uh multifactorial it's just not one part of the brain right and you are affecting area of the brain that's lifting you from a depression so when you are lifted from a depression and 
uh, you'll see a change in your persona for sure. Because it, when you're in the fog and depression, you are a different person for sure. You know, you're, it, it definitely impacts who underlyingly is there. So, will it change your personality for the better, uh, or will if you live from a depression and you have unresolved conflict from past issues or things that you suppressed or repressed emotions? That could definitely impact you, right? That's where I really uh, love combining TMS with therapy because when you live from a depression, you're going to conscientiously think about certain things that you probably have glossed over a lot. So you need to be able to process that information in a healthy way. Yeah, I was going to ask, um, like, if if there's anything that you can do along with TMS that makes it more effective or that just causes it to help the patient more? You know, I, I don't think there's any hard data to say, hey, if you do TMS and therapy, your outcome's better. But, I, you know, anecdotally, just just knowing, you know, uh, what how the brain works and lifting from a depressive state, we've seen it with uh, all the time when people do lift from depression, that combining with therapy is very a healthy way to process new or new emotions or uh, how are you going to regulate yourself? Great. Um, so I have my next question is a question that I ask every guest um, this season. I am working to put an emphasis on the importance of self-care because I've recently just um rediscovered how important it is in my life. So my question for you is what is one thing you do each day to maintain mental wellness? <laughs> oh boy. Uh, doctors make the worst patients, right? So uh, <laughs> I, I probably just leave it at that. No. Um, you know, I think what you do is you wake up every morning and there should be a sense of purpose. Uh, when you want to wake up, what's your goal for just that day? And it never has to be so profound every day. And I think that's where people shouldn't burden themselves. Like, if your goal today is like, I'm going to wake up and go, you know what? I haven't been to the gym. I do really want to get in a one hour workout. Great. That's a great start. Uh, you know what? I sit around with my phone way too much. I'm going to turn it off and go on a walk. Or I'm going to be away from it and watch a movie. Right. So make a goal that's going to impact you to feel better and help people around you feel better. Right. So I think that would be the foundation to say any goal that you set, how is it going to improve your life? Not even long term, even for that day. You know, what's going to improve uh, your state of well-being? Yeah, I do like that because self-care can be that simple. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant. Um, as we wrap up. Uh, what are some ways that my audience can get into contact with you or stay up to date with the work that you do? Absolutely. So um, I'm a consultant for Discovery Behavioral Health, and we do have uh, a lot of resources at Discovery Behavioral Health. And another division we are starting called Discovery MD, which I'm a little bit more involved in for TMS specifically. So they can look at those two websites and reach out for us for resources in their local area because we're in, gosh, I think we're in 17 states now and like 160 some odd centers. So we have a lot of providers uh, 
from mental health care workers to uh, inpatient substance use disorder to uh, general psychiatric services, including TMS, and kind of rolling out ketamine here uh, very shortly in multiple clinics, um, and eating disorder program as well. All right, great. Thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed this conversation and think it's going to teach people a lot about TMS. So thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me again, Jade, and thanks for the good work you're doing. And, uh, you know, if there's anything I can help uh, get the word out there even more in the future, just let, please feel free to reach out to me. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today's second guest is Kristen Hooker. Kristen is a writer who studied creative writing and has written many published and unpublished stories, plays, screenplays, and novels. She says that she feels most at home when writing humorous fiction, and she's even done some writing that's based on her mental health experiences. So welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm really excited for this discussion. Before we get into it, um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Sure. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I am a writer. And uh, mostly I've been writing humorous children's stories. I've written a series called Tales from Slacksville. And then I recently also released a book about depression. It's sort of like a humorous illustrated book called Silly Depressed by Kristen Hooker. And um, I wrote about other mental illness issues I've struggled with. And I write about TMS in the book. And then I also, I don't make any money off of it, but I have some YouTube videos that I made about TMS so I could help other people find it. Great. Yeah, that that's how I found you through your YouTube videos. Um, so I'm so excited that we get to dive into that today. Um, I'm, it's, it's cool to hear that you have a book about your depression and your mental health. Cause my first question is kind of just like a background on your mental health journey so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, mental health struggles have been a thing that's been with me my whole life. I think a lot of people, either look back on their childhood like, oh, it was such a carefree time. And other people, it's like this haze of anxiety. And that's how it sort of was for me, even though, um, you know, my, my life was good. I had a family that loved me. We weren't really struggling, but I had these sort of internal struggles. Um, I had this persistent feeling of being an outsider and sort of having a hard time connecting with people. and. Um, I have specific memories of having panic attacks in third grade. That was an especially difficult year for me. And I was the, the I don't feel good kid and uh, the I have a stomachache kid. And it's just, I didn't have access to help 
because my school didn't have a counselor or a nurse. And, you know, we would go see the pediatrician once a year and the pediatrician didn't ask me about my feelings. We would just get vaccinations mostly. And um, so, yeah, I, I'm aware that kids now have a lot more resources, or at least my son has more resources than I had. And I'm kind of jealous because I wonder if I had had more resources when I was young, I could have avoided a lot of pain maybe, but you know, this is just what my journey has been. And it's just been up and down over and over. I'm 39 years old now. And, um, over time I would have a few years that would be pretty good. And then a few years that would be pretty bad. And those were mainly like the ups and downs of taking antidepressants. It's so interesting to hear you talk about like being a child, because that is so similar to my experience. Like I was always at the nurse's office, like not and never they couldn't really figure out what was wrong. And now I know it was anxiety and, and panic attacks. Um, but it's so interesting to hear you describe it in that way, because I feel like there's a lot of people who experience that, but just don't realize that it was anxiety. And it's so hard to put words to it when you're a kid, because I remember um, I was at this church thing called Busy Bees, and we were in this big gym. It's really loud. There's all these little girls talking, and we were doing crafts, and I just had this feeling of like being in a dream. I think that environment made me feel more panicky. And I told my mom that I felt like I was in a dream and, and she didn't make me go back to busy bees anymore, which is good, but it's hard to describe when you're a kid. Yeah, definitely. Like once, and this kind of goes into my next question. Once you have the vocabulary, it shifts things. Um, and so I'm wondering, like, when did you start receiving diagnoses and like, um, more information about what you were experiencing? The diagnosis came when I was 17 years old. I just fell apart thoroughly. I was crying all the time. I withdrew from my friends. I just wanted to read coming-of-age novels and just be alone in my room all the time. And so I think at that point, the mental health struggles were so obvious. Of course, I got help then. Um, my school made it so I could just go to school for half days and still graduate on time, which was nice. That sort of lowered the amount of stress that I felt. And my parents took me to a psychiatrist. I was diagnosed with major depression. And then I started taking antidepressants. And I don't remember what the first one was. I mean, it was probably Prozac. Um, but that's where it started with just the ups and downs of treatment. Do, so besides medication, were there other like treatment modalities that you tried before TMS? I have gone to counseling on and off for um, my adult life. Sometimes it would be faith-based counseling and other times not faith-based counseling. And I worked through a lot of self-esteem issues with counseling, and it was generally a positive thing. 
I've done EMDR, which is, you probably know what it is, but for people who don't, it's eye movement desensitization, something, something. And um, I, I held these sort of paddles in my hands that would sort of vibrate back and forth and talk about difficult thoughts I was having. And it would somehow move those difficult thoughts from the forefront of my mind into the the filing cabinets. Um, I I never know how any of this stuff actually works, but it it was very helpful with bad thought patterns. And then I did hypnotherapy where I would go and meet this woman and she would record a session so that I could listen to it at home. And I really liked hypnotherapy a lot. That helped me with some bad memories. She would walk me through visualizations that would help me be calm or maybe a visualization that would help me take my thoughts and like in a physical way, imagine putting them away someplace. And I liked hypnotherapy. I did neurofeedback, which was expensive. It wasn't covered by insurance. And I don't even know how to describe what it was supposed to do. It didn't work very well. It was kind of like sitting in front of a computer and watching like an old Microsoft Windows screensaver kind of thing. And then I would hear sounds in these headphones that were barely audible. And I don't really understand what it was supposed to do. It didn't help me very much. Uh, And then I did uh, faith healing. I tried faith healing, um, which wasn't helpful, but you'll, you'll try anything, you know, and just to see what happens. Um, that was a long time ago that I went, I was in college and I went to some people who claimed that they had healed people before through prayer. And I don't, I don't know, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, it didn't work out for me. But then years later, I'm in Portland and I heard a minister talking about in kind of a humorous way talking about how he was at a furniture shop down by the river where he was shopping and complaining to the guy who worked there about his sciatic nerve. And he said that the guy who worked in the store said he could heal him through prayer. And he like slapped him on the back and said like, pain be gone or something like that. And after I heard that, when I was in a really bad place with my depression, I honestly thought maybe I should just go to all the furniture stores that are down by the river and try to find this guy. Because really, you'll try anything. Yeah, and you try it so much. And um, like I personally know the exhaustion that comes with that. And I guess I'm wondering now, like, how did you even find out about TMS? Like, was it recommended to you or did you find it on your own? Um, And yeah, like, what was the process of like finding it, then preparing for it and doing the sessions? What was that like? Sure. Um, I found TMS because uh, one day I was talking to this woman who told me about someone she knew who had this implant in her brain. It was like, you know, a surgically implanted electrode. And then she had this handset where she could turn up this dial to stimulate part of the brain. I think it's called deep brain stimulation, 
but I was really depressed and I was, you know, again, sort of desperate looking for hope. And I thought I'd get brain surgery if it meant that I would feel better because antidepressants just weren't working anymore. So while I was doing Google searches for deep brain stimulation, I found TMS and it might even have been through an advertisement or something, but I um, started looking into it more and I was looking on YouTube and Reddit a lot for testimonials and it sounded so hopeful because these people were saying that it works for most people and that there's no side effects. And that sounds kind of miraculous. When I told my husband about it, he felt a little bit um, cautious because we had done so many different treatments and he didn't want me to get my hopes up and be disappointed again the way I had been disappointed other times, but I was willing to try it. And it turned out that the psychiatrist I was currently seeing offered it and she hadn't offered it me TMS before because I was seeing her for ADHD and I guess she just didn't think of it, but I was having multiple problems all at the same time. So I asked her for TMS and she said yes. And um, yeah, I went into it feeling like, I don't know for sure if this is going to work, but I don't really have anything to lose. Yeah, I, with treatments like TMS, like I've heard people say this about EMDR and brain spotting and just different treatments other than the norm. It's like, once you find out that there's something else, it feels so hopeful. Um, and I know that going on Reddit and YouTube, you can find these great testimonials. So I can imagine that you were feeling really hopeful going into it. Um, mm -hmm. So like, what? how often did you have to go in? Um, and when did you start seeing improvements? Um, well, the process, when you're starting, you have to be interviewed by the place that does the TMS. You call them, and it's their job to make a case to your insurance company that they should cover the treatment. And from what I understand, I think insurance doesn't want to cover it unless you've already tried medication. And I had already tried a lot of medication, so they said yes, and I had to take these sort of quizzes that would you know, put a number on my depression level. I took the PHQ-9, and I think the maximum score on that is 28. And the first time I got TMS in 2018, my score started out at 23, which qualified as severe depression. So when you go in for your first session, there's two different ways that they can find the right place on your head that they're going to treat. One of the ways is that they can take measurements of your head and they'll put marks on it and I don't know what's going on, but they measured my head once. And then the other way is that they can approximate the place that they need to treat on your head. They press this metal plate against your head and they'll send a magnetic pulse out and they watch to see if your thumb twitches. And if your thumb twitches, they know they have found sort of a relative spot to go from to find the right place. So I experienced that before. And um, you're sitting in this chair, almost like you're at a dentist office. 
and they have all these things that they adjust on the chair to make sure that your body is in the exact same place every time that you come in and that the plate is on the exact right spot on your head. So you really can't move when you're getting treatment. So you sit in this chair for almost 20 minutes and the plate sends these pulses into your head and it'll do a burst of several pulses and then a break of like, you know, 30 seconds maybe, and then more pulses and then a break. And the pulses feel like a finger persistently tapping your head. It doesn't hurt. Uh, There was one day, I think it hurt a little bit because I had a sinus infection and that sort of reacted with my head funny. But other than that, you know, it's kind of annoying, but not painful. And I would sit there and watch the office. They would have a TV set up. And I think that's the same at any TMS place you go to. They have Netflix and you can watch British Bake Off or whatever. And you're supposed to spend the time watching something or thinking about something positive. Um, I think one time I was watching a sketch show that they were like, are you sure you want to watch this? Because there was, you know, a lot of people arguing on it and it was, they thought it was too stressful to watch. So I changed it, but um, yeah, you just have to sit there and relax for 20 minutes. And the standard treatment is that you go for six weeks, Monday through Friday You set up the appointments, you go at the same time every day, and that's pretty intense. I mean, I I had to drive to a place that was 20 minutes away from my house every morning, and it's just very tedious. That's the downside of TMS, that not everyone has time for this, and uh, I'm just really grateful that I was able to do it. Um, It works slowly, I think. After a month of treatment, the first time I got it, we weren't seeing a whole lot of improvement. So they remapped me, which means they they redid the setup just to make sure they were getting the right place. And they added two weeks to my course of treatment. So I did eight weeks total. And by the end of it, my depression was down to a one on the PHQ-9 scale, which means I wasn't depressed at all anymore. And the treatment continues working after you've completed your sessions, like your brain keeps improving in the weeks following it. Um, So yeah, I continue to feel better after those eight weeks. That's great. So did you only do one session or like program of TMS or did you have to do multiple? I had to do it multiple times. The first time I did it was in 2018. And I think after about maybe six to nine months, it started to wear off and I did not want to slide back into severe depression. So the moment I started to feel like I was even a little depressed, I went back for more. And thankfully, it lasted a longer time the second time I got it. And then I had it a third time in 2020, I think. And I haven't had it since. So it's been a while. Some people can get it once and they're good and they don't go back again. I think other people need to go more often or maybe go in for maintenance sessions. 
um, which would be, I think, a few times a month, just ongoing. But I haven't done that because insurance doesn't cover maintenance sessions and it gets kind of expensive. So when you, in the times that you went back and got more treatment, what were some of the signs that came up that were like an indication that you needed another treatment? I think for me, um, one of my major symptoms for depression is sort of brain fog, just feeling like I'm having a hard time thinking, I'm having a hard time keeping up with conversations, I'm having a hard time following directions, it's hard to um, drive and talk to someone at the same time. I, um, just a general malaise, I think. That was something that really improved. Um, at, when I realized that TMS had worked, my brain was so much sharper and I felt like I could read books again. For a long time, I couldn't read a page of a book without spacing out by the end of the page. And then I would have to go back to the beginning of the page and read it again, which is frustrating. So I just stopped reading. And um, I think another sign that I felt better, there was one incident I noticed one day where I went to Target and I saw an acquaintance. And normally I wouldn't, you know, make an effort to go talk to an acquaintance. But I was just like almost excited to see them. And I called out their name and ran up to them so I could catch up with them a little Aww. bit. And I think that desire to be social and the desire to go out and see people and to see friends was an indicator that I was getting better. That's so great. Yeah, I love hearing people talk about kind of the improvements when they find something that helps and just seeing their face light up. Yeah, that's really great. Last question about TMS. Um, is there anything that you wish you would have known before you started the process of TMS? It's not something I wish I had known exactly, but more like um, I wish I had a concise understanding of the client experience because I would find information online and some people would start a series on YouTube, like I'm gonna document my TMS experience and then they would do one video and then not come back and update. Or um, they would have some information on Reddit, but you could ask them questions and they might not get back to you. So that's why I made a video because I wanted to make something that was short but kind of gave the highlights of the whole experience and a clear sort of before and after of how it went. So I, I made the video that I wish I could have seen before I got treatment. The the videos you made are so thorough. And I agree, like, in my search for this episode, it, it, it was very much like people would post that initial video or that like, initial post about it. But then after they wouldn't really follow up. So that's why I thought yours was so great because you, you actually followed up and talked about the d multiple times that you went and got treatment, which I felt like was unique. So thank you for doing that because I feel like that's so helpful for people. Yeah, I, I'm so glad that people found it. And I love when people comment. I love when people ask questions. 
And I just feel hope for all the people that are starting treatment. And sometimes people come back and comment that they got the treatment and it worked. And that just makes me feel so good. That's so great. I have one last question. Um, This is the signature question for the season. I really want to put an emphasis on self-care this season because it's been so important for me in these past few years. So my question to you is, what is one thing that you do to maintain mental wellness? So earlier this year, I was seeing a counselor and she was really into mindfulness meditation and she directed me to a course and it's online, it's free. You don't even have to give them your email address or anything. It's called PalouseMindfulness.com. It's P-A-L-O-U-S-E, Mindfulness.com. And it's easy. They have these lessons. A lot of the lessons are um, videos. Like it could be something from a TED Talk or another lecture and very short articles. And then they have guided meditations that you can listen to. And it's, I didn't understand how, meditation was going to help me because I was having all these fears about the world. And I went into it not believing it would help because what are you doing? Like you're, you're just sitting there and you're having thoughts and then labeling your thoughts as thoughts and being aware of your body in the present. And I think, how is that going to help me stop worrying about climate change? But somehow it actually works. So uh, I started doing mindfulness meditations and I still go back to the same website and use the guided meditations that are on it. That's great. I, I also, as someone with severe anxiety, meditation is so hard for me, but when I have a guided one, it's so helpful. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I know a lot of people could use that. But yeah, that that's it for our discussion today. Before we close up, um, what are some ways that my audience can stay up to date with you and the work that you're doing? You could check out my YouTube. I think if you just search my name, Kristen Hooker, you'll find it. Um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my name is Hooker the Writer, and I put information there about what books I have coming out. But I don't really do a lot of mental health content on Instagram. The mental health content that I do is on YouTube. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you so much. I think this is going to be an episode that's really helpful for people. So thank you for being open and honest about your journey. Yeah. I'm so glad we did this. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Students of Mind. I really enjoyed these conversations. I knew a little bit about TMS before, but these discussions grew my understanding tremendously. So I want to give a big thank you to Dr. Dundala and Kristen. Feel free to take a look at the description or the episode webpage to find links to learn more about today's guests. As always, links to mine and the rest of the Students of Mind team socials are in the description as well. If you have a moment, please leave a rating or review for the show by scrolling to the bottom of the show page on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also use an app like Podchaser. Reviews help these episodes get into more ears and give new listeners an idea of what to expect. 
Thank you so much again for listening. I hope you learned something new or resonated with something you heard today, and I will see you next episode. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation Podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.